Okay, so there's this little book. It's tremendous. It's called Anger and Stress Management, God's Way. We're talking about stress. I figured for college students, there's not much better topic than stress. So some of y'all who are just like so cool and chill, nothing bothers you. For me, college was stressful. And so I'm going to come over here. So stress is something we all can need help with. Um, guess what? There's some good news from the very beginning of the Bible. This is not on your sheet. We'll get to what's on your sheet in a second. There were all promised tribulation in this life. Isn't that great? That no matter what happens, you're going to be having some difficulties in this life. Nobody's life's going to be perfect in the sense that it'll be easy. Everybody's going to have some challenge. And that's, good. that's fine. That's good. God promises that. He says that in John 16, 33. In the world, you will have tribulation. Take heart. I have overcome the world. And so I put in some, some verses here, um, which we're not going to really uh, discuss as much because we covered them last time. But one of the things that I wanted to draw your attention to is the real question is how can we overcome the stressors in life before it feels like they overcome us? And this is not on your sheet yet. Laura, don't worry. It'll get there. Sorry. That's okay. Um, so what causes uh, stress? I listed out some stresses here, sometimes environment or circumstances in life. This is just kind of a review. Like what are some environmental things that can cause stress in your life, things that are completely out of control? Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Yeah, hurricanes and weather, right? Snowstorms. You had we had a snowstorm here a few weeks ago, and it's like it might have caused it might have been made you know. Let me put it this way: how we respond to something is more important than the thing itself. If you could if you could write one word down, it's respond. How you respond to something is the most important thing. Because think about it: a snowstorm comes, and if you're like seven years old and you wake up and you see the snow, what are you thinking? Yay! Yay! Right? You're excited, but if you're say in your 40s, and you have to get to the other side of Charlotte to present a make-or-break deal, and if you don't show up, if you don't show up, then the deal is off. What does that induce inside of you? Stress. Anxiety and stress, right? And it's all—it's not the event itself. That's what I'm trying to say: is that that things can be bad or good, yes, and things happen to us sometimes that are neutral. Often we get bent out of shape, and our response is wrong. So. Um, it's not always the case, but sometimes, a lot of times, um, our environment or circumstances in life, how we respond to these things cause a lot of stress. Your classes, the way your teacher, you can't change who your teacher is or how they act to you. You know, you've got to just be willing to respond the right way. Our, our limitations or deficiencies, we talked about this last time too. You know how it is. Not everybody's as smart as everybody else. Not everybody's as athletic as everybody else. Not everybody's as pretty as everybody else. Just the way it is. Don't get, don't get bent out of shape over that. Don't make that a, a part of your stress. Other people, roommates, parents, friends, pastors, other people can cause stress in your life, right? Um, so one of the things I said here about these verses in Matthew 5 and Ephesians 4 is that unity is something that must be maintained. It must be worked for. And peace must be something that's made. It, it's not something that just happens. Peace is not... Uh, yeah, what's wrong with this question? You ever heard people say, what's wrong? Um, why, are, why do so many bad things happen to good people? What's wrong with that question? On some levels, it's a fine question. I mean, it's a difficult question, but what's the presupposition behind that question? When you ask the question, why do so many bad things happen to good people? What, what's behind that question? That we're good? Okay, that we're good people. That we don't deserve the bad things happening to us. Okay, that's one thing, for sure. What's another kind of... There are two or three things that are kind of behind this question. Like, 
Right. Okay, keep going with that, Jermel. Yeah. The, the, basically, basically what we're thinking is, and y'all basically getting right around it without exactly saying what I'm thinking, which I know this can be a game of guess what Pastor Marshall's thinking. I understand that's not exactly the easiest game in the world sometimes. But the idea is that, you know, um, why don't more bad things happen? Is an equally valid question. I mean, when you think about, just think about how many people are driving on the roads today, and you think about all the people distracted, and you think about how how brilliant. I mean, I've seen people drive. They're they're not very good drivers. I've been in the car with some drivers. Some of y'all not very good drivers. Some of you are better than others. That's fine. But you, there should be more wrecks than there are. Really, when you think about how many people are driving all the time, and fewer people don't die is a miracle. So there's an assumption that things should naturally go towards being good, and that's just not the case. Because of sin, the world is naturally uh, uh, twisted by sin. So what are some typical responses? Um, and we talked about these. These are bad responses, really. Uh, debilitating, which means you can't do anything. Like You're so paralyzed by fear or anxiety. Uh, anxiety is a fancy word. Your worry. Anxiety, anxiety is a fancy word for... For stress, but anxiety carries with it a little element of hopelessness. That's that's um, anyway. We'll get into that in a minute. Bitterness, anger, resentment. You might say, "Why me?" Is what Sabrina was saying. All these other people. Uh, depression, discouragement. My life is never getting better. Why do they have it good? Envy and jealousy, annoyance, irritability, impatience. Hey, why, why why is this happening to me? I just want to do the right thing. I just want to be happy, whatever, or denial. Pretend like it's not happening. Um, so we talked about some verses here that talked about the different fears. And what did I say here? Worry is focusing on what may happen if something does or doesn't. Worry or anxiety. Um, of the list, let's see here. Let me do something. Let me go back to this list here. Which one of these do y'all, y'all think is the easiest... Sorry, so many. One more. Right there. Which one of these... It's okay to be open. It's okay to be a little bit vulnerable, a little bit honest here. Which one of these do you think is is the one that you respond to the most when you're under stress? Anxiety. Anxiety? Like... And Jamie gets annoyed. So... Um, yeah, my, my daughter, Dottie, when she gets annoyed, when she's at piano, when she gets annoyed, she does like this. She goes, ah! and she moves her hands really fast, and, and she just does this. And I'm like, well, you're, you're losing your position on the piano. It doesn't make any sense to do that. But that's just her annoyance. That's what she does. She gets annoyed, and she goes, ah, and she walks away. I'm like, you're turning into like an 18-year-old, you know, a 17-year-old, turning into Jamie. Yeah. No. But, but okay, so annoyance. Uh, you saw, you said anxiety. What's some other ones, Laura? Irritability. Irritability. Do you just like go to your room and close the door? Yeah, <laughs> put on headphones and just kind of. Well, at least you don't slam the door. Cause... How do you know she doesn't slam the door? Laura. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you slam the door, you're like, oops, <laughs> just like to cover your tracks, you know. Yeah, pretending like it's more so denial. Unless it was mean the same thing. I don't know what pretense means, but 
Means you pretend, I, pretending. Like, okay, yeah, like, if I'm, if I'm stressed about something, then I just don't, like, I put don't it do. off, and that makes it, that adds more stress. Yeah, I, I, I do that sometimes when it comes to, um, Jenna pointed this out to me, when it comes to uncomfortable conversations, often I'm in the denial. She'll say something like, uh, when we were dating, she would say, like, really uncomfortable things to try to, you know, to flirt or whatever with me, and I would just pretend like I didn't hear her. Isn't that terrible? But, like, if it was, you know, because she was trying to make me feel uncomfortable. Like, we would be in a group setting, and she would say something that would be, like, kind of pushing me a little bit, and I just would pretend, like, and it was denial. I mean, it was just, like, that's what I would do. And I still do that sometimes not not as bad as I was. Sabrina? Yeah. No, no big deal, right? I would say for me, like, when I get stressed, it's like anxiety and, like, I get very discouraged. It's uh-huh. an annoyance because mm-hmm. I've become very impatient and that's very yes. irritating. Let me ask you guys some questions. These responses we've had, these responses we have to stress, are they fruit of the spirit or fruit of the flesh? No, they're not, right? So this is not just like a, hey, stress management 101, here's how to do better in school. It's a spiritual issue. Like, it's not just about being better at life. It's about walking with God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. You think about faith, having faith that God has you there for a purpose. I am getting, I'm getting tied up, and uh, I have, we're going to talk about solutions to stress today, so I don't want to get too much into that. But... Um, Depression, we talked about some examples of Cain, Ahab, and the godly response to all these things is to do what? Rejoice. When? Always. Always. Um, If we have food and clothing. Okay, that's a pretty low bar. Food and clothing. I think everybody has food tonight. Everybody has clothes. So you have no reason not to be content. Wow, okay. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. When is always not happening? Never, Never right? Um, be content with what you have, for it says, I will never, God will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, and we talked about jealousy being a dangerous thing. Annoyance and irritability. And so here we go. This is kind of where we left off last time. So I asked you to identify some of the most common sources of stress in the lives of people. We just did that. All right. So now, in what ways does our environment become a circumstantial cause of our stress? We kind of talked about that already, too. So we're going to go to the next one. In what ways do your own limitations become a circumstantial cause of stress? They cause, they cause stress in your life. Not as smart as you want to be, whatever. Not doing as well. It's kind of, these are just basically all talking about the same thing. If you evaluate this, you'll notice that a lot of these things cause stress only because we respond to them the wrong way. So, how would the Bible describe the main reasons we get stressed out? What do you think is the main reason that we get stressed out? Yeah? Selfishness? Okay, lack of trust. That's a really good one. Anything else? So, we're going to use we're going to write down selfishness and trust and uh Selfishness, I'm going to write these down because we'll cover some in just a second. And lack of trust. I think fear is a big one. Um, fear is a big motivator. By the way, what is fear? 
experience, right? We talked about that. Fear casts out, like, perfect love casts out fear. But let me ask you something. Um, how would you describe, I, I, how would you describe what fear does and what it is? Okay, the unknown. What do you do if you're afraid of something? What do you, what's something you're afraid of, Laura? I mean, like something, not, not like super personal, but something you're generally afraid of. You're afraid of clowns. Okay, did you see that movie, It? No, I not Why not? Okay, perfect illustration. Uh, Olivia, what are you scared of? Heights. So you haven't gone bungee jumping before? No. You want to go bungee jumping? Why not? What if somebody paid you money to, to do it? No. No? Not interested? But you would do bungee jumping, or you would see it. <laughs> okay. Um, when you're afraid of something, or when you fear something, you basically orient your life around that thing, avoiding that thing. Um, basically, Laura's not going to any parties with clowns in it. If she hears there's a clown at the party, she's like, I'm out. Olivia's not going to go climb up on top of a building just for the fun of it. I mean, if it's easy access, but if it's going to be kind of dangerous. Because of heights. But if you have to look down, like, you're not interested. Because it's a fear. Oh, okay. But there are more personal fears. We all have very personal fears, too. And what happens is if you are a person who fears, if you fear something, you, re- you orient your life around that thing. So what is the fear of God? Bible calls us to fear the Lord. That's like more than respect and revering. Yeah, but in light of that, I think you, it's, it's similar. It's that you orient your life around God, not avoiding Him, but about Him being the center part of your life, rather than clowns or heights or spiders or driving, you know, or whatever it might be for you. Okay. Um, yes. That is exactly, that is exactly right. That is exactly right. Do not fear man. What can man do unto me? Why, why would you fear man? Fear God. You don't, you don't orient your life. You don't structure your life around anything but God. That's, that's idolatry. And a lot of our sins can be traced back to idolatries. What are we structuring our life around? What are we fearing? What are we placing? As I like to say at church, what are we placing on the throne of our heart? Um, that's not original, obviously. People have said that before. Besides the wrong responses mentioned in the chapter of the book, what are the wrong responses to stress you deserve? Have you ever observed anybody doing any funny wrong responses to stress? Like, or maybe not funny, but sad. Have you ever seen somebody respond to stress the wrong way? Punching a pillow. Punching a pillow. Okay. I know Olivia's got to go. That's fine. Sorry. No problem. No problem. Why would... Okay, so anger. I struggle with anger. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go outside and I'm going to yell at the sky. You know, what does that do, Right. I'm going to punch a pillow. What is that done? You, you have exerted energy and you haven't solved any problem. We talk about anger also in this uh, study, but it doesn't do anything. It, it's, it's foolishness. Um, uh, we talked about that. So here's some consequences, okay? And this is where we're getting into our thing today. Here's some consequences of if you handle stress poorly, which is what you're going to have. Um... You might have poor relationships with people. And somebody who doesn't handle stress the right way is no fun to be around. Um, it's a pretty fair statement. Uh, stultification, that means you're, you stunt your spiritual growth. You can't grow spiritually. Uh, lack of usefulness to God. 
if you handle stress the wrong way. You hinder your occupational educational achievements. If you don't know how to handle stress, God, uh, you can't get as educated. I mean, you can't finish college if you can't. I, I had a relative, I'm not going to say who, not my immediate relative, but an extended family member who, who really struggled with her education, and she buckled under pressure, and she could not handle college. She just could not handle it. She kind of had a panic attack, a series of panic attacks, and withdrew. And because she never got a hold of that, she never finished college. And you know what was worse? Is that rather than learning from that experience, she blamed it all on her teachers. So now she's a very bitter person who blames her failures on other people. What's the problem with blaming your failures on other people? Is the only person you can change is yourself. No matter how hard I try, I can't change Jake. And I might try really hard sometimes, but Jake's Jake. Jake's got to decide to change Jake. By the Lord's power and the Lord's spirit, he can change. But I can't change you, and you can't change me. And so if you blame all your problems on somebody else, that's an excuse, right? Um, and physical problems. You know stress causes a lot of physical issues, ulcers, etc. All right, so now let's get into what I really wanted to get to today, and that is how do you handle stress the right way? What's the way of escape? If you have your Bible, turn to Romans 8. Um, start here. Um, I was explaining to some of y'all, I I was putting some scripture on the things in my, in my office. The Microsoft Office just failed on me today. Really did, and it's, not, it's still not working, so I had to use the online version of office so i think these are formatted right but uh it might not be so let's hope let's hope it is okay there's some blanks you to fill out and i hope this is really helpful to you the first way of escape the way to escape stress dominating your life is that you got to see everything that happens to you the framework of the sovereignty of god now what does the word sovereignty mean say it loud rule yeah because you see the word sovereign in there so it has to do with his rule so, God as king. And because God is in control, you can trust that suffering is not meaningless, that things are not purposeless. Um, I have some verses here for you. Um, if you go to Ephesians 1.11, it says, In him we have obtained inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who does what? Works. Works what? All things. All things according to the counsel of his will. Talk about the will of God and God's sovereign will and God's moral will. And let's talk about something really hard. We had a shooting in Florida, which is horrible and terrible. Was that according to God's moral will? Absolutely not. God never wanted that boy to go carry out, or that man, young man, to carry out the sin which he did carry out. However... It was allowed in God's will. How do we understand that? We can't completely understand that. But we can know that God will work all things according to the counsel of his will. He will work. He will not let that tragedy go to waste. And if you think, well, that's kind of a stretch. I don't know if I'd go that far. Well, Jesus did it on the cross. They murdered Jesus on the cross. They tortured him and murdered him. And God used that to save and cover the sins of all the people in all the world. I mean, God uses terrible things for his... Glory. Um, here's another one from Matthew 10, 29. Who can read this verse for us? Jake? <clears throat> Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? 
Okay, so what what is this telling us? What's 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 the gist of it? Just rephrase it in your own words. That like you know, uh, as as worthless as sparrows are, God still knows, you know, when they'll fall and what what's going on. I mean, you can't even buy one sparrow for a penny. You have to buy t- two of them. It's like they can't split a penny in half. So might as well give you two of them because they're not worth that much. And if they're so worthless, it says not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Basically, your father knowing. Or your father, the implication here is you're actually your father is the one who's, who's causing or allowing it to happen. Um, psalm 103, very powerful psalm. If you ever have a chance to read a psalm and memorize this, it's a good one. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, his kingdom rules. Again, the word all. Okay. God is a surprise when things happen like this. Um, if you have your Bible, Romans 8, let's read some verses here. I don't have it on the screen uh, for us. Uh, verse 20, start verse 26. Jamil, can you get us going? Or are you, oh, I'm sorry, you're not there yet. I picked on you. You there? It's okay. Can you, no, can you read 26 and 27, Laura? Can you read 28 and 29? And those he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I want you to notice here, the key idea is that all things work together for good for those who are called to his purpose. Not to our comfort, but to his purpose. God works all things for his, for our good, for his purpose. And what is our purpose? What is the purpose God has given us? To be what? Verse 29. Predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. God is through the circumstances of our life and how we respond to these circumstances. He is causing us. He is drawing us. He is pushing us towards becoming more Christ-like. If you look at the story of Joseph, uh, you remember his up and down life, how he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. They were going to kill him, but they decided to sell him to slavery so they could get a buck out of it. Then he goes to Egypt and he is rising through the ranks and then he gets to become uh, the basically the household manager of Pharaoh, uh, Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife uh, looks at Joseph and likes him. She tries to sleep with him. Joseph says no. She grabs his coat. Joseph flees. She, she says that he tried to force himself on her. The husband throws him in jail. Joseph in jail is in the jail with the, uh, the two servants of the, of the Pharaoh. He tells their dreams. They say, oh, you're wonderful. We'll remember you when we come out. They come out, and or the baker does. It forgets all about him. Or it's the butler. The butler does. Forgets all about Joseph in the dungeon. Finally, Pharaoh has a bad dream, so Joseph comes up. I mean, Joseph's life is up and down and up and down. Finally, he comes into Pharaoh's court, answers Pharaoh's question by, by explaining his dream to him. And then, after all this happens, Joseph's brothers come from Canaan to get grain. And he sees him, and he's all decked out in his Egyptian 
Pharaoh outfits. So they don't. They don't. They're not looking for him. He doesn't. They don't know who he is. But he knows who they are. And then after all this, um, there are several things that happens. Joseph says this: Do not be distressed or angry. He's talking to his brothers who sold him into slavery. Told his dad that he was dead. Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for what? What does it say? Y'all can read, right? For God sent. Ooh, I had it upside down. God sent me here before you. Who actually sent me? Sent him. God did. Now, who, who, who did the, the selling? They did. But God was. This is Romans 8 28 and 29. God works all things. Could you say that being sold by your brothers into slavery is bad? Absolutely. It's pretty, Jamie's like, I could see it happening. She's worried. No, I'm just kidding. No. Oh, you're going to sell one of your brothers into slavery. I see now. Um, despite that, despite the fact that they were the ones who did the wrong thing, he says God actually was the one who did it. Look at this other verse. God sent me. It's just a couple verses down. God sent me before you to preserve for you. If he hadn't been there, they wouldn't have been able to save all those lives because of the food. Around and on earth, and to keep alive for your many survivors, so it was not you who sent me here, but... Look at that. But God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. I mean, it's amazing what God did here. And then here, at the end of the book, Genesis 50, 1921... Joseph said to them, do not fear, I am, am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God what? what? I mean, this, it's hard, it's hard to, to, to understand this, but, but this is powerful stuff. If you can face your stress in your life, knowing that other people even mean stress for you or mean bad things to you, but God means it for good. And good is becoming more like Jesus. Good isn't just having a more comfortable house. Good isn't just having a better, I don't know, better TV or a better car, more money in the bank. Good is becoming more like Christ. Any questions on that? Does that make sense? Anything in there you want to, or any additional comments? This isn't just me talking. Okay. Yeah, why, why do you think it's so hard? You have to have an eternal perspective uh, of like, it's not just about right now. It's also about after now. Um, and sometimes it's just no fun. I mean, like you said, it's just uncomfortable. And we talk about comfort as if it was something that's like, do you want an extra large fry or a large fry? You know, like oh, well, that would be more comfortable or, or more seat, uh, you know, more room in my seat on the airplane comfort. No, we're talking about like serious stuff where people die and people lose things and, and bad things happen. Like, this is, it's tough. It's not easy. And I'm not pretending like it's easy. But God, I mean, you talk to people who've gone through hardship, and they will tell you God has sustained them, and God has helped them through these in ways that could never have explained or known beforehand. Okay. So, we said you must see everything that happens within you, or to you. Must, and basically, respond in a way that recognizes God's sovereignty. What's this next one? We must deliberately choose to what? Give God thanks. Um, 
We must give God thanks in the midst of everything and for everything. That's hard to do. You don't feel like doing that. Um, the Bible tells us we have to give thanks. Here's some verses for you. Um, can I have someone read First Thessalonians 5.18? Okay, Jamie. What is God's will for your life today? To give thanks. And, and that is hard. Uh, I keep bringing up the, the shooting because it's just such a fresh thing for us. But, but man, when you see something like that, you think, I don't, I don't see how you could give thanks um, in the midst of that. Is that even reasonable to say? And, and, and is that all things? And the key is, is because if... if how you respond to life does not come from your circumstances, but from your relationship with God. Everything changes. Your, your center of gravity changes. What you fear changes. Everything changes. It's no longer your, your circumstances determine your response, which determine your reaction, which determine whether you're sinning or not. No, it's now your life is oriented around God rather than your circumstances. And things can happen to you, but they don't define you. They don't stress you out because you know that you can work through them with the power of God. Um, and here's another one. Uh, Jake, can you read this one? Uh, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Serve a couple words there, obviously. Giving thanks always and for everything. Again, hard to, hard to understand, hard to put into practice, but man, is that powerful. Um, Psalm 34, uh, if you have your Bible, is a very powerful verse, or a very powerful psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let it humble, be glad, and, uh, hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. Verse 8, O taste and see the Lord is good. You, you've got to magnify the Lord at all times. You've got to praise the Lord. Psalm 147.1 It is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. got to give thanks. Next, we're going to buzz through these and then we'll go to prayer in just a minute. This next one's hard because you won't always find. But you must seek still to discover God's purpose for each stressful situation. You're not always going to understand God's purpose, but you should try to find out. You should try to see God's plan in the long scheme of things. Um, let's go to James 1 real quick. Like I said, I was going to get more verses on here, but I'm sorry my, my, word, my PowerPoint stopped working on me today. James 1, 2 through 5. Um, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces what? You may have it. Patience or steadfastness, let patience have its full effect. You may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously to all without reproach, it will be given him. A couple things here. God will use trials to test us, and God's going to use these stressors of life to produce in us the very important quality of perseverance. And I can say this from personal experience. Let me just kind of tell you guys that when you what you're going through now in college or in professional life or whatever feels sometimes like the stress is too much and what happens is like it's like lifting weights or like anything that, that every time you face down stress 
and it expands your capacity to understand how great God is and how much he can take you through. The old saying, you'd be surprised what you can survive, you know, that, that it takes a lot more to kill you than you think it would. Um, you know, people, people endure quite a bit. And it, once you've gone to the limit and you've reached so much, you understand where that is and you see it and you feel it, and God gives you that perseverance. Have you ever noticed when you travel, coming home always seems a lot faster? Why? Have you ever thought about that? Because you know, like, what is left? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You recognize, like, signposts. Oh, like, we were driving back from Lafayette. It's like 12 hours, basically, when you're with a car full of people. On the way up there, it felt like it lasted forever because you never knew when it was going to end. Then we arrive, like, okay, we're here. But on the way home, you start seeing, like, Asheville. Then you see Spartanburg. Then you see Blacksburg. You see Rock Hill. And you you, you start to anticipate it because you know what's coming next. Same thing. When you've seen stress, when you've seen your life work this way, you've seen God answer prayer, and you've seen God work in your life over and over and over again, he gives you steadfastness or perseverance. You know what's going to happen. You know what's coming. Um, The first time, though, is is tough. Um, These things lead us to being, as the Bible says, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So, those are the first three. Uh, seek to discover God's purpose, what we just said. No, next we must seek to discover what God wants you to do. And how can you obey? How can you obey? Um, really simply, you just, the, most often, it's just, it's, it's pretty obvious what you need to do to obey God. This last one is very simple. You must seek to discover God's perspective on why you put yourself in an unnecessarily stressful situation and should follow that by making the change that God would have you make. Here's the deal. Sometimes we put ourselves in unnecessarily stressful situations, situations that are not outside of our control but are set inside of our control. Have you ever done that before? I remember one time being with a friend in a car. I should never have been in that car. That was a very stressful situation for a little while because the car was driving very, very fast and very erratically, and I was being, you know... We were doing donuts in a in a park, and and riding half on the road, half off the road, chasing deer. I mean, it was wild. I didn't know if I was going to come back alive. He does. It's been years. This is years ago. This is years ago. I was younger than you guys. Um, I had put myself in a very stressful situation. Uh, it wasn't my fault, but I was foolish. And so my question to you guys is sometimes, or just let me just kind of probe a little bit. Think about it. Sometimes you put yourself in situations. You know you shouldn't have been there. You know. You know that you're, you're, not, you're not in the right spot. And because you're not where God wants you to be, you feel that extra stress because God's grace will be with you when you're in his will. When you go off and do your own thing, um, God's grace doesn't follow you there. That, you know what I mean by that? Like, it's kind of hard to describe. But when you're off, when you go off the beaten path, and you decide to forge your own way, and you're just doing your own thing, and you're you don't care what God thinks about your life or about your decisions, uh, you're on your own, and that's a very scary place to be. So be careful here. Sometimes we do put ourselves in unnecessarily stressful situations. Lastly, a few verses to close with on seeking God's perspective. First, Second Corinthians three five. Um, not that we are sufficient. What does that word mean, by the way? Sufficient. Enough, right? We have enough. We, we are full. Not that we have enough in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our enoughness, our sufficiency, is from God. 
who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, that's a new promise, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Letter kills, the Spirit gives life. It's in a context he's talking about the new covenant, the New Testament of God. God is able to make all grace. Look at this verse. I want you to search. If you have this in your Bible, by the way, this is a good place to open your Bible to. I want you to see all the times he says the word all. God is able to make what? All grace abound to you, so that having what? All sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. We look at that. What's his point? Yeah, he's able to make all grace abound to you. Remember when I talked about God's grace being there? You, you, God's grace is available. And when we, we, we cheat ourselves of God's grace by not following his will. A um, couple more and we'll be done. This famous verse that's on the floor of every Christian school gymnasium. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yes, you can. This is talking about contentment. This is talking about walking with God. This is talking about spiritual things. It's not talking about lifting a car or getting an A in your class. It's talking about doing what God has called you to do. For this I toil, struggling with all my energy. No, wait. All what? His energy that he powerfully works within me. When I do the right thing, when I'm walking in obedience, I toil, but who gives me the power to do it? God does. You're not on your own. That's it. Any questions on stress or thoughts? I, I want. I really hope that you can take some of these tips. They're biblical. Memorize some of these verses. And, and when you face a stressful situation, really think about it. God can really work a, a miracle in your life. I hope this is helpful. And I uh, hope you're able to use this as you face stress, especially in college.